Welcome to the Century Church Podcast with Dr. Patrick M. Quinn. You can find out more information about Century Church at www.century.church or download our app at the Apple or Google Play Store. Hey everyone, welcome back to our series, War, Fighting for the Battles That Matter the Most. Hey, over the last couple of weeks, we talked about fighting for your life and fighting for your spouse. If you missed those messages, I wanna encourage you to go back and check them out. Today in week three of our series, we're gonna talk about how to fight for your family, how to fight for your family. You know, Desmond Tutu once said, you don't choose your family, they are God's gift to you as you are to them. Hey, today, right now, there are a lot of temptations, distractions, crumbling marriages, teenage rebellion, strained relationships, past failures, mean things that have been said, a world spiraling out of control. The the reality is our families are under attack. Evil will do everything possible to tear down the walls of spiritual protection around those you love. So I want you to consider something today. As we jump into this series and this particular talk, fighting for your family, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it for a second. Maybe think about the past week or the past month with your family. Are you fighting with your family or fighting for your family? Are you fighting with your family or are you fighting for your family? The reality is it's never too late to realize what's important for your life and in your life and to fight for it. So today, I wanna talk about two things as we fight for our families. The first thing is we gotta vote for our family. I wanna tell you right now, you gotta vote for your family. And so today, we will cast our vote. That is true. Today, during this message, you will cast your vote. Yeah, I know there is a vote coming in November for the office of the president. And no matter what your choice is, I would say, The vote we cast today is far more important. That's right. The vote you cast today is far more important. This is the vote to fight for your family, to fight for our families. This is the vote that will determine more of the future direction of our nation and world than even the election in November. Now listen to me today. You are free to argue with me. But I am convinced that the evil we face today is due to the lack of a healthy, vibrant family unit for most people. Your vote today, I would say to you, is the most important vote you will cast in 2020. Now, if you don't believe me, recent Pew Research suggests this. In 1960, I want to share this with you. In 1960, 73% of all children in America had two parents living in a first marriage. 1960, 73%. By 1980, that percentage had already dropped to 61%. In just 20 years, 61%. The last data that I could find on it from the Pew Research Group, in 2014, it is now down to 46%. Less than half of all children living in America live with two parents in their first marriage. Look, They went on to say in this uh, research that there is no longer a dominant family form in the United States. Listen to me when I say that. Listen to me. There is no longer a dominant family form in the United States. 
The fluidity of the family has placed children over and over again in difficult and often tragic situations. The consequences of this decline in a stable family uh, unit is all around us. Births to unmarried women continue to climb. And they went on to say in this research that while at one time virtually all births occurred within marriage, these two life events are now far less intertwined. Now, I want to say a word to men. Men, we must hold each other accountable for the fatherlessness that is occurring in our culture today. I mean, we got to get to a point, guys, where we say enough is enough. Here, if you don't believe me, here's some stats about fatherless homes. Number one. 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up in a fatherless home, according to the Texas Department of Corrections. Number two, seven out of every 10 youth that are housed in state-operated correctional facilities, including detention and residential treatment, come from a fatherless home, the U.S. Department of Justice. Number three, 39% of students in the United States from the first grade to their senior year of high school do not have a father at home. Children without a father are four times more likely to be living in poverty than children with a father from NPR. And number four, children with fatherless homes are twice as likely to drop out from school before graduating than children who have a father in their lives from NPR rate. Number five, 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. That equates to one in every three children in the United States not having access to their father. And number six, Hey, Alabama, listen to this. In the United States, Mississippi has the highest number of fatherless homes, with 36% of households falling into this category. Louisiana comes in second at 34%, while Alabama is third, third out of 50 states with 31%. One in three children in Alabama does not have a father or a father figure in their life. And number seven, 72% of Americans believe that a fatherless home is the most significant social problem and family problem that is facing their country. So now which vote do you think is most important? The one we vote for today or the one that we vote for in November? It is time to vote for our family. Look, I am personally sick and tired of watching today's children suffer from an adult world that refuses to fight. Let me say it this way for you for just a moment. Many of you know I've been a foster parent for nine years. I've had 39 children come through my home. And to my knowledge and my recollection, there's only been two of those children that has had a father in their home or in their life. Two out of 39. Now, We may be sitting here worshiping and enjoying our families on this Sunday. But let me ask you this. We may not be so different than some of the ones who have totally abandoned their families. Because the challenge is not just looking at the extreme. The challenge is looking into our own hearts. Are we as engaged as we ought to be? Dad? Mom? Grandparents? Aunts? Uncles? Are we engaged with the next generation? We are Century Church looking toward the next century, raising up the next generation. Are we as engaged lest we become no different than those who have abandoned their children just sitting on the couch watching football? 
or hanging out long hours away from the house or being absent when our children need us the most. You see, today, this vote matters. No matter if you're in the house, not in the house, no matter if you feel like you've got it all figured out and you're doing a a pretty good job or if you've been absent and, and doing a horrible job, today you get to cast your vote. And so I want us to be reminded of some scripture today that will help us as we begin to fight for our families. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the leaders and all the people and said to them, Now Nehemiah is, is getting ready to build this wall and to fight for his people. And this is what the finish of the scripture says. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and go fight for your friends your families, sons and daughters, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, even your in-laws and your homes. And then the Bible goes on to say, if you'll fight for your family, our God will fight for us. So fight for your families. Fight for your very homes. In 1 Timothy 6.12, we're reminded, fight the good fight for what we believe in. Today, you got to vote to fight for your family. You know, if you won't stand and fight for what you believe in, right? We've heard it before. You will fall for anything. Let's be reminded of that today. In Ephesians, Paul writes in chapter 6, verse 12, we are not fighting against people made of flesh. Remember, we are in a war. We are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Let me ask you a question. Is anybody ready to stand and fight for their family? Are you ready yet? Have you heard enough yet? Because we are distracted, I believe. We have all these other things coming at us, including an election and coronavirus and racial disputes and issues and civil unrest and financial distractions and all of this stuff. While Meanwhile, our children are the ones who are paying the heaviest price. We got to get serious about this. We got to be people in this adult world, in this generation that actually care. 1960, 73% of all children. 2014, only 46%. Our problems in this nation are not because of politicians. Our problems in this nation are because we haven't taken care of our homes. We haven't taken care of our homes. So how do we fight for our families? Because I think we've forgotten. I think the world has forgotten. I think our nation has forgotten. The soul of our nation has forgotten. And maybe Christians have even begun to forget how to fight for our families, for your family. What does Scripture tell us? What are we supposed to be doing Men, women, husbands, wives, grandparents, aunts, uncles. How are we supposed to fight for our families? Well, here's a few things today that you can begin to put in practice if you choose to vote to fight for your family. And the first one is this, be a guardian. You got to be a guardian. And what does it mean to be a, a guardian? You protect your family. Under Armour said it best. We must protect this house. You got to protect your house. Not from flesh and blood, but from the evil of this world. you got to be a good shepherd. And we have a good shepherd in Jesus that is helping us. you got to stand guard because the enemy is waiting 
There is an ungodly world seeking to devour our families. You got to be in their business. Listen, I've already had one teenager grow up to be a young adult. And I would tell her all the time in her most rebellious moments because she had them just like all of us have had them. But I told her in, mo in her most rebellious moments, I am going to win this war because you are my little girl and I'm going to fight for you. And some of you have teenagers right now that you're deciding in this moment, do I just let them go? Do I just let them go figure it all out? Should, how much should I engage? No, you need to be in their business. You got to be in their lives. You got to hold them accountable. You got to make them responsible. And you got to show them how to become an adult in this world, a, a, an adult that is worth following. And that leads me to the second point. You got to be a champion. You're not only a guardian for your family, husbands, wives, grandparents, you got to be a champion right now. That's what scripture is teaching us. That's what Nehemiah was telling us. That's what Paul is warning us about. You got to be a champion. What does it mean to be a champion? You got to be a role model. This is not do as I say, it is do as I do. And who taught us that? Jesus. Jesus taught us that. He said, come and follow me. We got to teach our kids to come and follow us, to be a good example, to show them how to follow Jesus. You got to be a guardian. You got to be a champion. And the third thing I would tell you, if you're going to fight for your family, you got to fight with love. You got to fight with love. Now, let me tell you why that's so important. I learned that lesson the hard way. My first child, oftentimes I would fight, but often I would fight with words that I wish that I had not said. Often I would, I would fight to try to prevent things from happening, but I didn't do it in the most loving ways. And my wife one night reminded me that Patrick... She's out there in a world that is constantly beating her up, that is constantly trying to, you know, press in on her. Don't let her come home and find that her daddy is doing the same thing. You got to fight with love. That changed the way that I wanted to parent not only her, but the rest of the children in my house. You got to fight with love. You're not fighting with them. You got to fight for them. And so you got to fight with love. And the fourth thing that I would share with you, if you're going to vote to fight for your family, is to do it now. Right now. Today is the day we vote. You do it now. There are distractions trying to take you away from what matters most. There are things right now that you're looking at, planning to do, uh, getting busy with. We're coming out of a post-COVID world and people are starting to get more active and all these distractions are going to take us away from what matters most. You got to do it now. And some of you are redlining with your family. Some of you right now, you need this message more than, than others because you're redlining with your family. And I want to remind you, take this as God's warning to you. Do it right now. Start being a guardian right now. Start being a champion right now. Start fighting for them with love right now. So here's the challenge today. It's Decision Sunday. You get to vote. Make no mistake about it. This isn't a vote that you get to decide whether or not to show up for. You're either voting to fight for your family or you're voting not to. Today is Decision Sunday. So how do we do that together? How do we vote to fight for our families? Well, I would leave you with this. One, 
build a grace-based family. Build a grace-based family. Don't build a law-based, legal-based family. Teach your family to see the blessings. Teach your children to see blessings. Talk to them about the blessings. Receive the blessings together. Write them down if you must. And then teach them to be a blessing out into the world. You got to build a grace-based family. That's where trust happens. That's where confidence happens. That's where they become all that God intends for them to be. Build a grace-based family. There's so much more to say about that. The second thing, build a truth-based family. Yes, that's right. It can't all be grace. Build a truth-based family. You know, Jesus built a ministry on grace and truth. That's what he came to do. He came, the scriptures are clear. He came full of grace and truth. They need to see that obedience to the truth of the gospel in you. Not that you are bearing down on them with the truth, but that you are living with the truth of the gospel, a repentance of your own sin, a willingness to submit to God's ways, and a focus on humility. Build a truth-based family. The number three thing, the third thing I would say to you is build a worship-based family. Teach your children to worship God. Make God the center of your family. If you don't teach your children to worship God, they will worship something else. And I promise you that will be something far lesser than the grace and truth of God. They will worship other things that will let them down, take them down destructive roads, and ultimately they will live lives a lot less joy, with a lot less joy in their life. So you got to help them. You got to teach your children to worship God, to read God's word, to have a, a daily devotion life, to follow Jesus. Listen to me. To follow Jesus is better caught than taught. That's what I've always heard. And it's so true the older I get. To follow Jesus is better caught than taught. They must see, they must see us following Jesus. Hey, the last thing is choose every day to serve the Lord. Choose every day to serve the Lord. It is time for some serious godliness to happen in our homes. To seek holiness for our families should be paramount. And I hope that maybe you would be able to declare today as Joshua once did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hey, today is Decision Sunday. When you fight for your family, God will fight for you too. When you fight for your family, when you decide today to fight for your family, God will fight for you too. We'll fight for your family. We'll fight for your children. You know, I think of no better way to start that fight than to pray over your family. Because what you pray for, what's on your heart that you bring to God, ultimately will be what you will be willing to fight for. And so today, I'd like to pray over your family. For every person that is watching, I would like to pray for your family because this is a fight, this is a war. And just because you may have it all put together like a few of our families may think that we do, let us not forget that our strength comes from God, our peace comes from the Holy Spirit moving and living in, in our lives. And ultimately, the love of Jesus is what is going to sustain our families, build our families, and, and keep our families safe from the enemy 
because we know that we have a God who is mightier, stronger, and willing to fight for us. And if you don't know that Jesus, if you don't have that Jesus in the center of your family right now, I invite you to do that. Make him the Lord of your life. Make him the king of your world. Make him the savior because we all need one and your family needs one. And if you'll put God at the center of your family, I promise you, you will never go wrong. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we bow before you today and we give you thanks that we're reminded that we are indeed in a war and the statistics look bleak at this point in our nation. Lord, I can't believe how far we have dropped and how desperate these times really are. As I see all these children and the next generation suffering and struggling because we in the adult world are failing them. And so God, it has to begin in our own homes and our own families. So Lord Jesus, I pray over every family that is watching this, over every husband, every wife, every father, every mother, every grandparent, every aunt, and every uncle, every guardian who is stepping in to provide a support to a child. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, pour out your Holy Spirit on them. I pray, God, right now that they would desire to be in the center of your will, that, that if there's any that are watching this that, that have not made you the Lord of their life, that Jesus would become the Lord of their life today, that they would vote yes to Jesus. They would become a follower of yours, God. There's probably at least someone that's watching this that has not done that. And they know because their life is a wreck. They know because things are not turning out the way that they had hoped. They know because they have turned away from your ways and your word and ultimately are not living in your will. And I pray, God, that you would right that ship in their heart today. That as they repent of their sin and as they seek you today, and ask for you to be their savior, Jesus, that you would well up inside of them a renewed energy. A new fight would be a part of their life. They would have a resolve to not only fight for their own life, but to fight for their families. So today, God, we choose. We choose to fight. We know we're in a war. We believe that you will fight with us. And so God, I pray that you would fight for every family. And that as they pray this prayer with me, that they know that you are fighting for them. God, hear our prayer today as we desire to raise up the next generation, the next century of people. That we would see a renewal of the way in which our families operate and the way in which we teach the next generation to raise up their own children one day. We love you and we thank you for it is in the highest name, the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen.